Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time along with Hamish Bidwell. I'm Barry Guy. Pressure, pressure, pressure. That's what it's all about when you get to this stage of a major tournament. And if Eddie Jones is to be believed, the All Blacks have pressure chasing them down the street as they head into the World Cup semi-final in Yokohama. Clay Wilson joins us from Tokyo and it's a pleasure to have in the studio the Hurricanes assistant coach Jason Holland. Hamish, uh, firstly you're beaming, Uh, the All Black selectors have finally listened to you and picked your player of the season in the starting side to uh, take on uh, England this weekend, Scott Barrett at number six. Yeah, if it's not him this year it's Anton Leonard-Brown, they've both been outstanding and I think um, his elevation to the starting 15 is overdue. Um, The other part that complicates that is, well that Matt Todd they want more of a traditional open side person on the the bench so Kane will drop back there or has dropped back there and will We'll do a job. I just wanted to bring Clay in here at this point. I've been, I've been really struggling back here. There's just so much tripe, just utter bilge, written and said about this game day after day. Spying, slights, slurs, opinion writers coming in with just absolute nonsense. What's it like when you actually have to contribute to that yourself? Like, are you finding those press conferences soul destroying? Are you enjoying it? How would you describe it? Uh, probably the best way I can describe it is humorous. I think a, a lot of us, perhaps not everyone, as you would suggest, some of People are really buying into the to the Eddie Jones type stuff as I guess real more much more real than it is. Um, I mean, on Tuesday when he went on his his colourful rant about the All Blacks and all the pressure they are under, and as you mentioned, but those, the spying, are, those are fair points though. Um, they are the team with all the expectation, all the history behind them. He's entitled to say that, and if he does say that, a is it that's fair, but b it doesn't make him a jerk or he's not trying to pick a fight or make. Uh, trouble. He's not, just actually pointing out a legitimate, a legitimate point. Not at all. I think what's humorous about it is that we're not often um, gifted with coaches that will do that. In fact, yep. in rugby, and especially the All Blacks, we're not gifted with people that will come out and just say the things that are true. And like you say, it's very much is the truth, but um, it's just to say, have someone sit there and say it like that, black and white, and, and say it in such a colourful way, um, it's just very humorous and then you get the um the the addition of of spying allegations and something like that it's just quite um for people that are covering um the rugby um as as you you will know yourself um to have something like that it's just quite interesting and and great really um how much you buy into it is another thing and different media buy into it on different levels um i mean i like to think that that uh, us here we certainly took it for for what it was that yeah of course there was pressure on the all blacks but of course there's pressure on england as well and the spying claims make of them what you will perhaps just a a little bit of a um something thrown in the mix for midi to to try and uh, throw a little bit of a distraction in there as steve henson j- suggested yesterday jason as part of a team do you guys at all take any notice of anything that's ever written or said about you? Uh, you'd like to think you don't. I, I've got to a stage now where I, as coaches, I don't think we do. 
we don't uh, take too much notice. You've you got to make sure that the players who are you know new on the scene don't uh, get carried away with reading too much and, and start believing a lot what, of what is said. So, uh, look, I, I think it comes with experience. You know, um, you know what to say when you're asked questions that maybe might take the heat off you around the technical tactical side of the game. Like I think that's a little bit what Eddie's doing, but um, you know, you, as, as you get you're in the you're in the game long enough. You you understand that you've just got to worry about what you're doing, and, and the rest is a little bit of a, a sideshow around you. Like Jones and and Hanson are great practitioners and seasoned campaigners with with a lot of runs on the board who, who know how to play the game are entitled to whatever view they want. By and large, though, is there a rule about not giving the opposition their team talk? Yeah, I think most teams there is. Um, Eddie doesn't seem to mind too much at times, but I think generally you want to stay as neutral as possible, and that's. Um, you don't really want to give anyone an, an in into into how you're really thinking or what you're really going to do. So, a lot of it's really neutral and not really giving um, giving any fuel to to the opposition or to anyone really. What do you make of the twenty three Hanson pick for this week? Oh, I like it. And as, as you said earlier, around us, around Scotty Barrett, um, not sure if that would happen if Todd was was fit. Um, I don't know about having two Plato and, and Barrett on the bench. Probably wouldn't have made too much sense as far as when they come on the field. So I like what they've done with the loose season that and that Kane will obviously come on and add a lot of energy at some stage. And, and you know that that could be vital in the last half an hour of the game. Uh, the backs were were pretty standard. I'm delighted with a bit of bias here that Geordie's. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because he's had a bit of ground to make, hasn't he? Behind uh, Ben Smith to start with, but he's he's justifiably put himself in the frame as that as that utility, hasn't he? Yeah, I think that Geordie's always everyone's known he's got some. He's a special kid. He's got amazing skills, but he's um, you know made a few errors in, in big games, and I know the ABs are massive on handling pressure and. And, and not making those silly errors, and it's been his focus, I think, in the last six nine months, is to get rid of those. And he's obviously done that enough to for shagging them to, to trust him there uh, in, in these big games. Is that uh, because he has some sort of X factor that perhaps, you know, not taking anything away from Ben Smith, who's an outstanding player, but if you want someone to come on and make the difference somehow, he could do it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like I, I think now. He can do everything that Bender can do um, at the moment around the high ball stuff, around um, around his kicking game. Uh, but he maybe offers a little bit more around the kicking game and, and the high ball stuff now. So, look, he's he's a guy that can can create something. He's still we still want to encourage him to throw something out the back to create a try. But he's making those decisions a lot better now. Clay, um, being, being on tour is the greatest thing about being a journalist. It's this borderline anything that makes it worthwhile. Are you worried that your tour is about to come to an end, um, or are you confident the All Blacks will give you another week? I wouldn't say I'm overly confident. I, I'm confident. I mean, after watching what the All Blacks did last week against Ireland, I mean, I think we could probably all agree that was a pretty impressive performance and just very complete from the All Blacks. I think to see them do it in the forwards as well as the backs in the same game, um, that comprehensively, um, you have to be confident after something like that. But, of course, England are playing very well, have a very good side, and there's a very realistic chance that the All Blacks could lose this game. And I think the All Blacks have acknowledged that this week. Steve Hansen certainly has acknowledged it this week. So would it be uh, a huge surprise if they lost? No. Am I expecting them to lose? No. Um, but I guess that's the great thing about a game like this, and it's why there's a lot of excitement around it, is because... There is a little bit of unknown, finally, perhaps as much unknown as we get going into a, into an All Blacks fixture. Um, so you add the uh, the World Cup semi-final into that, the occasion, and that's what makes it such a 
so much hype and anticipation around this game. Jason, are there any weaknesses to England? I mean, I've been through their team. It's, it's outstanding. And Ford's come in, that's a talking point. But they've got so much strike. They're really um, efficient and accurate in their set pieces and stuff. Um, they've got the Jones factor with his success at World Cup and experience and stuff. I mean, there aren't too many weaknesses there, are there? No, there's not, but I don't think there's there's that much that can win your games. To me, I'm, I'm I'd be more worried about South Africa in a final, to be honest, really? than England this this weekend. Um, and I I suppose I'm uh, with playing Farrell at twelve is is interesting to me. I, like Farrell, myself and Carlos actually been watching a little bit of. Um, can I I'll just butt in? You were a ten in New Zealand who went to Europe and played twelve, didn't you? Was there a big difference about that? Uh, not really, not really. Um, I suppose I was a little bit back in my day. It was you could be a slow twelve, so that was why I moved out there. But um, <laughs> sorry, no, you and Carlos have been watching the game. Yeah, we, we just watched uh, Owen Farrell, and we reckon that mate, the way he runs the game and the way he gets at the line and picks a pass, he's he's one of the best in the world at that. And I just worry that, well, from England's point of view, that they're going to try and use him as a bit of a battering ram, and and he probably doesn't get to to be the ten fifteen that we've got with Bodie and, and Richie. So I'm not sure in their selection there. But, oh, yeah, as I say, I think that they're not going to dominate us up front massively um, like South Africa possibly could. And I don't know if they've got as much in the in the backs to finish us off. So, mate, cross fingers and touch wood, but I'll, I'll be pretty comfortable about this weekend. OK, because the, most teams look to stymie New Zealand, don't they? They thwart them. They, they have obvious strengths and they try and target those and, and eliminate those. To what extent will the team that beats New Zealand in this World Cup be someone who actually goes out and beats them? Can you compete with them and hope to win on kicks, or do you actually have to play some footy? Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think um, the first point you made around trying to um, stop the All Blacks is a massive one that I'm sure Mitch would have looked at, and something that I've looked at is Bodie and uh, Richie are doing really well because the All Blacks are getting a lot of midfield rucks, um, which means they get two-sided, and Bodie and and Richie can, can boss that either side and pick the right option. What I see is uh, the English will probably try and line speed that middle ruck. I don't know if you, a lot of the time the All Blacks are playing from an edge. They'll go right to the middle of the field so that Bodie and Richie can do their thing. And I'm sure that Mitch would have seen that. And if the way to stop that is to line speed them and stop them getting gain lines. So that's something I'm interested in to see if they can stop the All Blacks getting that gain line in the middle of the field and letting the boys play. Uh, so that's, for me, is a big one. The second part of that is... I'm a believer that you've got to play and make the All Blacks make some tackles to beat them. Um, obviously, you've got to turn them around the line speed at times, but uh, the All Blacks, are, you know, will give away penalties. They're human. They will come under pressure if they have to make some tackles. So there's a real balance there needed for me, and I'm not sure that kicking and trying to win a kick contest um, is enough to win the win to beat the All Blacks. You mentioned line speed. It's a word that people use, but I don't think many people really understand what it means or, or how to combat it. What are the, for lay people such as ourselves, what are the obvious ways to combat line speed? Well, the, the, from a defensive point of view, if you want to bring line speed, what you want to be able to do is know who you've got to bring long, line speed on. So if you flip that around from an attacking mindset... Can I just stop? Because there's an assumption that Bowden can't cope with teams that are using line speed. I don't even know if I'm saying talking nonsense here. And that's partly why Moonga is, is the 10 and not him. Is that right? Uh, look, I think Bodie can can deal with it. It's it's more the people around Bodie and the people around Richie who make life easy on them when there's line speed right, coming. Right, so I just... Lamapi gets criticised for not having talk. Is, is he, as the 12 outside Bowden in a hurricane sense, is he not providing him with enough assistance to combat that? And is he... Is, is, that, a, is that the issue that they say when Lamapi doesn't talk enough? I think they talked about that uh, probably what, was nine months or so when that came up. Uh, Nans has worked hard on that, and it's it's a real 
Um, it's a real group thing. It's not just Narns. There's the Fords around them. Um, it's it's a 15. So, yeah, that, that's that's a big big work on for everyone around the line speed is to see those pictures really quickly and to be able to uh, make sure your inside guy, i.e. your 10, is, just does what he's told a lot of the time. Right. So you were saying, I've interrupted you a couple of times here, but you were saying that is the team bringing the line speed, you need to target who you're going to go at? Yeah, you, you want to get off the line, so you need to know who you're getting off the line at. If you, if you bring line speed at the wrong person, then obviously there's a hole. So what I reckon is gain line's massive, so if you can get over a gain line and get the defensive team having to go backwards before they come forward, then they might come on the wrong person. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, that's trying to simplify how a defensive team is... Uh, you know, defends easily and how they come under pressure. So we try and make them not know who they're going to tackle when they get off the line. Like the All Blacks recycled against Ireland quite quickly last week. I don't think that's something that's happened a lot in games against them. Is that that's critical, right, for New Zealand? It allows Aaron Smith to either run. I think playing off nine is one of the ways you combat line speed. So your nine has a dart that keeps the defence honest, and he was able to do that, wasn't he, last week? Yeah, definitely he had a, had a dart, but they also the Irish were pretty poor at coming forward in the middle of the field, as I said earlier. They came forward where the All Blacks didn't go, and they didn't stop them. Kieran Reid, etc., got a lot of gain line in the middle of the field, which meant that, as I said, Bodie and Richie had a, had a field day as to picking the options. If they can stop Kieran Reid behind a gain line, the game's a hell of a lot different. Um, Clay Jason's already alluded to the fact that I think he's going to be um, a Springboks All Blacks final. What are you picking in the um, the other semi final? Yeah, it's a tough one because they were both not very impressive last weekend. Obviously, I mean Wales um, even more so than South Africa, probably coming from behind against fourteen men and barely doing so, not really showing too much. But uh, I guess you have to go with South Africa just because of the size that they bring and just the the structure they play with. Um, when they do it well, we saw against Japan, they sort of just sh- sh- shut Japan out in that second half. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I would say the quarterfinals would suggest this is going to be a close match as well. But I think you have to favour South Africa in terms of big match experience in this type of tournament. Um, and just in terms of size as well, what they did, they're probably just going to out-muscle out muscle Wales, and it's it's hard to see Wales winning based on that performance against France. Even if they improved, they've still got a, probably a fair way to go before they're going to get over a team like South Africa, who have really been a little bit under the radar and slowly building without being spectacular last weekend, slowly building and improving. Jason, I thought Africa probably came into this tournament as the best team in the world, and I haven't been like massively impressed with them. What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I agree with Clay around the pack. That's that's their go-to. Um, I would have hoped that the game might have evolved a little bit more than what it has. And as a, I'm not sure that uh, Fafta Klerk kicking 20 box kicks in a game um, is going to be enough for them to 20? win to beat the All Blacks. Uh, it seems like 20. Um, so yeah, more, more. I was thinking more. I think more. Yeah. So like I I agree. They're they're a massive pack, and that's the way that. They have to play now because that's what they've got. Um, you know, Delande in the middle of the park, and um, it's a shame. I, I'd have loved to see them evolve a little bit more, but they haven't. But they're still such a threat because of that pack, and because of probably their nine and ten who can, who could, you know, who, who know how to play a good nine, ten, ten man game of footy. Um, I'd love to see the little Colby, those sorts of boys. Yeah, getting Colby's a bit more out time. for this one. Yeah, I see that. Jeez, he's a special little kid, mm. so. Yeah. Can you watch rugby for fun? Like, feed income, does it just work when you're watching? Like, have you seen so many games you just don't want to see another minute of it, or are you okay? 
Yeah, my wife. Yeah, the interesting <laughs> question to ask my wife. She's uh, used to seeing telly on the uh, rugby on the telly. No, nah, look, I no, nah, I can't really. I and I'm, I'm one of those guys who watches so much footy. When there's more to ten and there's Heartland and whatever on, I watch a bit of footy. So no, nah, I'm what you're. you're I suppose you can have a bit of fun when you, there's no pressure for you at the end of the day where you don't have to get a result, but you're always looking at how people are trying to do things and, and how you'd do it sort of thing. So that's just that's just in me and what I enjoy and probably why it's great to have the job i got. I just wonder if I could ask Jason about uh, the All Blacks playing with uh, not a lot of the ball they did for a while there, it's similar to the Hurricanes in a way, um, but you would sort of rely on them to come through at the at the end. I mean... Is that a sort of a patience thing? Uh, I mean, do, do you do you train? How how do you you come through? You just rely on things to happen. Yeah, I suppose a lot of the uh, a lot of thing these days is that obviously with line speed and the first half an hour of games, you know teams are fresh. So a lot of the time you prefer to play with the without the ball in the first part of games when teams are fresh and you don't want to go six thirteen nil down by trying to play a little bit too much. Now that's for me, that might be a little bit negative in our mindset. So it's that that's where people are at at the moment. You'll see the first, in the quarterfinal, the All Blacks, the first scrum they got, they were 30 metres out and they put a, an up and under up um, that came down in the 22. Now, that's purely to take the line speed and take the energy out of the opposition and see if they can uh, apply pressure by getting an error under the, under the sticks. So... You definitely see the ABs play like that, and that they don't want to make they want to make sure that everything's on the other end um, in that first little bit, and they might go six nine nil up in a knockout game of footy. Um, I was just curious, also about you talking about how much footy you watch. What, what have you? What does a Super Rugby coach do in their off season? I know you've been to military academies um, in your life in your Hurricanes lifetime, uh, Cirque du Soleil, the sporting franchises around the world. What have you done this year? Actually, I haven't done too much PD this year. Haven't got around, but um, we've sort of had a big focus on trying to. Get in and around the franchise, so um, we spent a lot of time in the camps of Manawatu and Hawke's Bay and trying to help out there, help their coaches, see if there's anything we can I think help. I saw you on the bank at Poverty Bay against Wairwhanau Kapiti at Mike and I a couple of weeks ago, if I'm honest. Oh, good spotting, yeah. No, if you'd, um, yeah, no, because we spend all of the coaches, we've been around all the Heartland teams, so one or two of us have been to the Heartland stuff. For, I've spent a bit of time with Poverty Bay, actually was up in Gizzy for the Poverty Bay East Coast game. That was awesome, awesome experience with the... The rivalry there, so you know, I know Carlos and and Plum and have been around the place as well with Wanganui, the bush. We were over in the bush last week, so it's been great to get out, and it's actually quite good for you to get to the Heartland teams and see the boys that work at start work at half four in the morning and then travel an hour and a half to get to training and then travel an hour and a half home and have a beer after training on Thursday. It's quite refreshing to get in amongst that and and have a bit of fun with them. Geordie Barrett's allegedly like a backup 10 in the All Blacks, and it's no secret that his brother's leaving town. Is he a 10 candidate for you? I look at something that is a possibility down the track. Um, as you say, we've got a lot of good outside backs there, and Chase Teatee is going pretty pretty well, and, and for me he's a 15. So, look, we've got, we got our three 10s that are there, and, and uh, we're, we're confident that they'll get the job done, but we've also got TJ Geordie in it to push Chase to cover 10, so... Um, no, we're pretty open to see what happens there because I thought Geordie did really well at 10 when he played for the ABs. It's not just rugby this weekend, but the, um, the netball too, the Constellation Cup series concludes in, a, in Perth on Sunday with New Zealand holding a 2-1 lead uh, with one to play against Australia. Um, Bridget Tunnicliffe, our netball expert, joins us now. I have to say, we had a chat a couple of weeks ago and I thought, 
two two to New Zealand at best, but probably three one to Australia, and now we're looking at something quite different, aren't we? Potentially, yeah, yeah. So two-one um, to us, and we do have to win this game on Perth on Sunday if we want to win the Constellation Cup. It will be the first time in seven years, our best chance in a really long time. Um, it's sort of almost impossible to call the result in this game. The last um, five games play between Australia and the Silver Ferns out four out of those five games we're going back to the World Cup those two games there had come down to one goal margins um, but the good news for New Zealand is three of those games the Silver Ferns have nailed those uh, do or die moments that we haven't necessarily been able to say about them in the past so promising signs but yeah man it's, um, it's going to be tense. Can you explain the development, not even development they're just sort of sort of the astonishing transformation of Amelia and Nicanasio um, mm-hmm. as recently as the ANZ last, this year I would have thought she was you know, borderline mediocre and she and Tiana Maturo were kind of sharing court time and Alia Dunn was clearly the best shooter at the Pulse but starting with that series against Fiji and the New Zealand men Amelia Ann was amazing she's been great at the World Cup she's continued that on it's yeah. quite remarkable isn't it yeah I, I don't know what she did over summer because before I before this year I thought she was quite brittle as a player um, I didn't have huge amounts of confidence in her to be honest um and she she showed good signs when she went on the quad series um, in January up to England. Her and Maria, that was the, sort of the start of that um, combination. Back in the ANZ competition, I, apart yeah, her shooting wasn't her shooting accuracy wasn't fantastic at the ANZ. It was about I think seventy five percent ish, but her court play was excellent um, this year, and she. Uh, Definitely emerges first choice ahead of um, Tiana Maturo. Her, her court work craft was really good. So, uh, slightly let down by goal percentages, but man, come the World Cup, that's what that was the difference. And um, this past week, um, even Lisa Alexander, the Australian coach, had, she said that Ignacio was a point of difference. Um, yeah, what? What? Why has that come about? I, I don't know. I mean, she. Um, a couple of years ago, she wasn't actually getting a lot of court time at the Pulse. Tiana Maturo emerged as the sort of the starting goal attack, and maybe that spurred her on to do you know extra work. She had to work really hard to win that position back. And um, you know the fact that Nolan Toto took over at the end of last year, players say that she brings out the best in them. So maybe that's just what's happened with Ignacio. Jason, as a professional coach, do you look at Nolan Toto and what she's done? with that team and sort of marvel at it. I mean, she's clearly a master of her craft and you guys do things with other coaches. Is she someone that, whose expertise you'd like to tap into or that you admire? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Don't know don't know her too well myself, but just watching the Netball Girls, they definitely look to have a belief and a confidence and it was mentioned around them winning those close games and they, they, they look clear and, and confident in what they're trying to do and the belief comes and, and I think in that shooting that shooting circle that definitely looks like they're uh, they're nailing those big moments. So no, she's um, she's doing something right, and I think it's mainly mainly around the mental side of the girls. Look like they're energised and ready to play for each other, and, and know exactly what they they got, need to do to get a result. Can I ask a dumb question? Now I I would assume that as a professional athlete, that being in peak physical condition was like the bare minimum that you should be able to do. But Nolan came in and felt that standards in that regard were were low. And she put you know minimum standards, and you must attain these or you won't be picked. I mean. Should we expect more from athletes? I mean, do we underestimate the extent to which actually being the fittest team or fitter can make you better? Yeah, it's just a standard, isn't it? That there's a minimum standard. If you're not at that standard, then then you you can't compete for us, and and that's sort of where we're getting to as well in the in the rugby and. I mean, 
I don't know, there'll be some teams where um, people have talent and you see that they've got talent but they're not, not in great nick. How, how long do you put up with that for? And obviously uh, the netball girls are not putting up with that any longer. So, mate, it's a it's a, it's that, a standard. That might have been a result of her stint in Australia and New Zealand. That's what we, we, we knew. Yep. And she went away to Australia and maybe that was like, Oh man, we we're not even close, and so she comes back, and that's what that was what all we knew over here. And she's come back and said, "No, you're not even close." And so that, you know, we've got the benefit of her experience in Australia as well. Yeah, I think people underestimate that the Lightning is part of the Melbourne Storm Rugby League franchise, and they're borderline the most professional in any code going. So there's a lot of synergies between the two fran- uh, two codes, even as a part of the one franchise. So yeah, I mean that that would be an asset. Now, do you think they're going to win on Sunday? It's so hard to call. Um, I, I believe they. I definitely believe they can win. Um, evidenced by the that they have had to rally a lot of times during the series. Um, coming down from five goals in that first test, they made a comeback in the second test. Couldn't win it, but they recovered some ground. The last test um, in Sydney, Australia was up eight two in that first quarter, and it felt like they were. Um, hanging in there for dear life but um, like the ability to um, be resilient and come back from that and then to hold on when um, you know that last one or one or two minutes they're, they're expert now at running down that clock so yeah um, but you know Australia it's going to be Caitlin Bassett's 100th game for Aussie on Sunday so they've got plenty to play for it'll be a pretty long hard summer for them if they don't win so it's going to be um, incredible game I can't wait so uh, one goal will take for the Silver Ferns yet again. Yep. And one point will take for the All Blacks on Saturday night. Sounds, we'll sounds good. Yep. Well, thank you very much to everyone. That's uh, extra time for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. A big thank you to Jason Holland, along with Clay Wilson and Bridget Tunnicliffe. On behalf of Hamish Bidwell, I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.